Welcome again to Medical Chalk Talks. Uh, today will be episode number six, and I'll be discussing how to present patients in the intensive care unit. On the last episode, I discussed the tips I think that you would find useful in being able to be successful during interim. And then I also discussed how to present patients in the ward. So I'd like to like briefly summarize kind of the things that we talked about. So presenting patients in the wards really comes down to obviously knowledge and that's kind of something that you'll acquire through residency uh, especially beginning of entering year there's a huge learning curve but the biggest thing that I think will help you is to obviously have a system that's going to be systematic and presenting and that it's well organized knowing exactly why the patient's there and don't in the HMP should really be um, a timeline of the patient's chronicity or uh, of symptoms how did it start and how did it get worse or has it been different than before just kind of telling a story about the patient and the best way to know that is obviously to talk to the patient and and you can't really present a patient well if you didn't do a good history so history taking is very important and and you're in a detective i think that the most important thing is thinking that you're a detective uh, when you're asking questions and don't ask questions that obviously don't aren't don't have any relevance and sometimes it's hard to know which questions to ask but that's also something that's going to help you with time um, so i really urge you to think of a differential for any chief concern and come up with a bunch of differentials so when you're asking questions you're ruling them in or ruling them out based on your questions and based on the based on diagnostic studies um, so, and then your assessment and plan is essentially just putting it all together and convincing your attending or senior resident that you thought about the patient's issues and now you have a concrete idea of what's going on and you know what management or what other further studies to implement. So that same idea applies to uh, patients in the intensive care unit. The only difference is you're going to have different variables, obviously, with those patients you're going to have, you know, you'll be dealing with patients who are on pressors, who are ventilated. So there's just going to be more objective data that you need to know. Um, but I'll, today's episode, we'll just be dealing about how to talk to um, the tenants about patients in the ICU. Um, so there's, before you, before we start that, there's obviously, you have to understand who should be in the ICU. Um, really patients, obviously, who are coming in with any type of shock won't require any drips, um, whether it's insulin or patients who are not even in septic shock or any shock and require drips of some kind, whether it's a drip for um, for their arrhythmias, uh, a drip for um, DKA like insulin, patients who are in respiratory distress and require closer monitoring or patients who are intubated. Those are many other, obviously, other causes that um, that you want to make sure that you know those are the patients who should be in the ICU. Uh, and so when you're presenting uh, a patient, uh, it's important to start with, the just like like you would start in the wards, the chief concern, what happened, and then what prompted them to come to the ED. And then the same, the same story that you would give someone in the wards, you would provide to your attending, um, like we mentioned in the last episode. Um, and you'll talk about the ED course of what happened in the ED and why. Really, the big question is why are they coming to the ICU? And that's really how the story should progress to is potentially someone who maybe I'll give you an example, someone who 
is in shock. You could say someone past medical history of whatever, and you could say came in with fevers, generalized weakness, um, and you could talk about the history, how it progressed, and denies any other symptoms, right? Like no no uh, cough, no respiratory issue, no cough, no shortness of breath, no chest pain, uh, palpitations. Um, and then you could essentially say no dysteria. So we're, you're ruling out any other types of infections, obviously, because the patient is coming in with fevers and generalized weakness. Um, and then you do the workup. And, and then initially, you, you obviously, the attending wants to hear, okay, why is the patient here? Is, are they hypotensive when they came into the ED? So you would tell them in the ED they were hypotensive to 80s. They were given fluids. And typically for patients in septic shock, or in sepsis, um, you want to give them 30 cc's per kilogram of fluids. And that's something that the attending would want to hear is you gave them, the ED gave them enough fluids. So septic shock is essentially patients who are refractory to fluid management, and now they require uh, pressors, right? Uh, and so when you say that, now you're, you're able to key the attending and telling them that, okay, now they're in shock because they were refractory to fluids. They want to hear about the lactate uh, because lactate is a marker of hypoperfusion, right? So that's something that you'll tell them. And then you want to do really what infectious workup, what management did they do, how are, what are the labs? Was the patient also, uh, did they have um, a surge response? Were they in severe sepsis? Uh, now they're in shock. Um, they, were they also neutropenic? What antibiotics they received? So there's the sepsis bundle that you also want to be concerned about. And these are the things that we'll talk about in more future chapters, future episodes. But really just, as you can see, just from my uh, telling you about these patients, there's a lot of knowledge that goes into presenting a patient. And the more you know, the easier it will become to present because you'll know exactly what are what is relevant um, and you know exactly how to present it. So if you didn't know about what septic shock was, you wouldn't really understand the importance of Telling the attending that they gave them fluids, you wouldn't tell, you wouldn't be able to understand the importance of antibiotics. If you don't understand how which antibiotics have or why, you wouldn't understand why they gave them a certain antibiotic. So it's all important to put it put it together. So really, when you're presenting a patient, more importantly in the ICU, just in general, actually, it's important to understand the whys. Why are they doing it? In, why are they doing specific management in the ED? And then, just like we talked about yes on uh, the last episode, you'll talk about. What, we, what they did, what they found, um, and then objective data. That's the difference now. For objective data, obviously, you're presenting the patients who are most likely possibly impressors. So you'll tell them about the maps. You'll tell them what IV access they have. Do they have a central line? Do they have arterial line? So central line is where they get pressors. Um, and typically, so we start putting in a central line, um, whether it's um, we just do the femoral, or jugular um, above, if they're requiring pressors more than 10, uh, for instance, with levofed. And so for those patients, you want to make sure that they are they have a line, so they have access, uh, they have an arterial line. Arterial line is a line that measures the mean arterial blood pressure, and that's a more accurate way of measuring the blood pressure in patients in the ICU. So you want to tell your, your attending that, oh, the MAP was 75, and MAP of 65 is really the goal that we want for patients in shock above 65. Um, and so you want to make sure you tell them that a MAP was 70 uh, with an arterial line. He's on pressors or he, she's on pressors of blah, blah, blah. So you basically tell them that the, blood, the reason why the MAP is above 65 is because they're on pressors. 
So you, that's in the objective data. At least that's how I would present it. And then you talk about um, the patients intubated, and, and then you talk about the vent settings, right? Typical vent settings, right? A minimum, you have to understand what minimal vent settings are. 40 of FiO2 and 5 of PEEP is minimal. That's like the minimal vent settings. That's some be the reason why I say minimal is because when patients are in 40 FiO2 and PEEP of 5, that's when we could potentially do a spontaneous breathing trial. So if you're telling the, so that's why it's important to know exactly what the severity is. So if, a, if when you're presenting a patient, um, you want to make sure how severe are their FIO2 or their vent settings. So knowing what those means, it will be able to help you make a better uh, presentation, right? So though classically, the way you present is the mode for uh, vent settings. Is it assist control, volume control, assist control, pressure control? That's something we talked about on the last episode three um, or episode four, I believe which was the mechanic, making mechanical ventilation simple. So you talk about the which ventil ventilatory mode he's on or he she's on. Then you talk about in order, you say patient has um, tidal volume of, you say, like, let me give you an example, tidal volume of 450. Uh, you could say a respiratory rate of 20, but, has, but is breathing over at blah. Um, so when you say that is because you could look at the monitor or you could talk to the respiratory therapist and say, are they breathing with the vent or is there, is there a respiratory rate consistent with the uh, vent settings? And some patients are breathing over the rate. And that just means that they're obviously probably not paralyzed and that's fine. Um, you don't need to completely breathe exactly near the respiratory rate. We just set a respiratory rate, meaning that they for sure will get that respiratory rate. It won't be under that. And that's what we talked about in the last episode. So typically some patients will be breathing over the rate that we set it at, and that's fine. And then we talk about PEEP and then FiO2, right? And then you wanna make sure um, that's what you'll say. Typically, depending on the attending, you could ask the attending, would you want me to read the ABGs? Because um, that's when the objective data, and they'll, they could say, yes, go ahead. And you could ask, right? So the biggest thing with presenting is obviously act, be confident, don't act nervous. You're presenting to another human being. And if they're going to, and the most important thing is just be confident and don't be nervous. Ask if you don't feel, feel like you don't know something, just ask, never lie, never make something up. And that goes back to being the keys to being successful during residency is never lie. That period, you will be successful if you never lie. If you're honest and you're doing everything you can for the patient. And you should um, own up to your mistakes. And then if you make a mistake, don't feel bad about yourself. Don't tell yourself that you're the worst person because that's the process of learning. We make mistakes all the time. So when you feel like you don't know, understand something, you could potentially say, you know, I really don't understand um, this specific, but I'll, I'll, this is what it showed. Just be a human being and, and don't make anything up, basically. And if the attending or the senior resident is a good person, they'll list, they'll listen and they'll teach you. Um, so with that being said, you would ask what the APG is or what the what you if they want to hear the APG right after the vent settings were talked about. And typically they might say yes, and so you could say it, right? Um, and then we'll talk about a, a different episode on ABG, but essentially for ABG, right, you want to do uh, pH, right? pH, um, 
and then you want to do uh, PCO2. So you can say pH of 7.45, which is normally at another normal range of 7.35 to 7.45. PAO, PCO2, think of it like the last decimal points of the normal pH, 35 to 45 is the normal for P, PCO2, which is uh, the C, CO2 in the blood. Um, and then you want to do, um, essentially, you want to do uh, bicarb, but bicarb is found in the BMP, um, the bicarb and the CO2 is calculated. So you want to look at the BMP bicarb and then you'll do a PAO2, right? Um, so that's something that, you know, with time, you'll be able to understand the normal values and everything. And they're going to ask you to interpret it. But when that's something that they'll ask you to interpret later, right? And in your assessment plan, you're not interpreting. Something you need to remember is when you're presenting data and information, objective data, you're not interpreting anything. You shouldn't interpret anything. That's where your assessment and plan comes into hand. You shouldn't say this patient is doing well because FiO2 is going down. You could just say FiO2 is decreasing from yesterday, just literally telling them what's going on. It's decreasing, right? Because it went from 100 to 40 um, and so forth and so on. And sometimes also a thing I forgot to mention is depending on the event setting, you could, if you want to sound like a pro, or like you know what you're talking about, hopefully you could talk about your the patient's plateau pressure, especially if they're in AD, ARDS. You could say the patient's plateau pressure is below 30. Um, and that tells me that you understand that the patients that the patients in ARDS should have a plateau pressure less than 30. And that's and then you, how do you get the plateau pressure? You would ask the respiratory therapist to do a respiratory hold. And that's how you could find it. Okay. So that's essentially objective data, right? And then a physical exam, a lot of these patients will be intubated and sedated. So you want to do a good neural exam. You want to try to make sure that um, you understand, obviously, if you did the exam when they're on sedation, uh, you could ask the nurse, how was the patient? Because most of the time, if they're sedated, you won't be able to get a good neural exam. So you, you could ask the nurse, how was the patient uh, when they were off sedation? And they'll tell you. And you could ask potentially if the patient could be off sedation, so you could do a physical exam. Um, and if obviously if they're not paralyzed, if they're paralyzed, you want to keep them sedated and um, don't mess with the sedation. Um, but be, go defer to your senior resident and, and if patients could be appropriately off sedation. A lot of times patients can if they're having seizures or in their status epileptic because you do not want to take off the sedation because they're going to go into seizures. So ask the resident or your attendant before you could turn off sedation so you could do a physical exam and you want to obviously do look at all the cranial nerves um pupils are they reactive um are they having a good brainstem reflexes a muscle skeletal are they following commands are they are they essentially responding to sternal stimuli rub you want to listen to the heart lungs right so neural exams on the icu are should be quick um there but they should be very localized, right, to what's going on. Uh, the patient's completely in cardiac arrest, has some neuro, neuro um, trauma. You want to make sure you do a very good neuro exam to make sure how they're progressing, if they're having any type of response to the management that we're doing. So then um, imaging and then labs, right? So when it comes to labs, the way that I like to present labs in the ICU, there's going to be a bunch of them, right? It's important to understand that you wanna you don't wanna present everything, every normal value. Um, you wanna just say what's pertinent, right? So same thing, CBC, BMP, understand what you're watching. 
if patients who was in end-stage renal disease, who you're going to have a lot of patients in end-stage renal disease, their creatinine is going to go up and down based on if they're getting dialysis or not. So it's hard to interpret what that is. So really, for patients with end-stage renal disease, you could just say skip essentially that. You could just say patient's creatinine is um, blah. You just say it, but it doesn't mean anything because they're getting dialysis uh, most likely. But if a patient's still not in dialysis and we're watching them and making sure their cranning is not bumping up, then that's important, obviously. So it's all based on the clinical picture of the patient, the reason for them being there. Um, so I would just, look at this point, if you don't know exactly, it's okay to just read off the numbers. Uh, but eventually with further training, you'll be able to know exactly what to look for, what's pertinent, and then you'll be able to say lab's remarkable for only this, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's going to take time, obviously, um, like I mentioned. And blood cultures are also very important in the, in the ICU. Um, you want to know, make sure that they speciate, make sure they come back. It takes some time to come back. If patients on VANC, I want to make sure that look at the nurse, MRSA, MRSA nurse. If that's negative, then there's a very high possibility that the patient does not have um NARES MRSA. And NARES MRSA is only specific to patients with lung um, pathology. So if they have a pneumonia and they're on VANC, if the NARES MRSA is negative, I feel confident that the patient could be off VANC if they're clinically doing better. So what I'm trying to say is that if they're still in shock or they're still um, not getting better, then obviously I do not want to narrow antibiotics, right? I want to keep them broad still. So if you understood what I'm saying is really the biggest thing is think about it. Think about the clinical picture. And really, it's not that hard. You got to just say, is the patient getting better or not? So the patient's getting better. Or cool. Now maybe you could narrow. And then you could think, okay, are the blood cultures back? Okay, they're not back yet. Okay, then maybe we shouldn't. We just keep the course until you get the blood cultures back. Um, so it all comes with practice. Uh, and then knowing which antibiotics um, to use, what they cover. And that's something that we'll cover in the next couple uh, episodes is antibiotic coverage. We'll talk about different pressors. We'll talk about just different types of shocks and hopefully being able to build your arsenal of fund of knowledge uh, for the ICU and the wards. Um, so that's what I would say for that uh, lab portion, imaging portion. Um, and then for assessment and plan, it's all system-based, right? And I know that it's very complicated. At least it was very complicated for me understanding all the system-based some attendings actually do not want system-based, they just want problem-based. So that really depends on what um, you, what the attending style is. My recommendation is to ask, you know, you come prepared knowing how to do both. The way that I like to do it is think from head to toe and go through each of them, you know, individually is neuro. Um, obviously, neuro, you could just, and sometimes if you're doing systematic, sometimes the physical exam would go into um into your system problem, uh, system-based issue. So that means that you'll just go straight from objective to um, imaging, I think, uh, for some attendings, and then you go in labs, and then you go into your system-based and talking about a physical exam on the neuro section of your uh, system-based uh, problem, right? So you can say neuro, uh, patient, status epilepticus, continues on Versed, um, phenobarbital, uh, EEG continues EEG without any um, seizure episodes per neurology uh, plan is to con and then the physical exam shows blah 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 or unable to do physical exam because patients currently s s heavily sedated 
um, plan is to continue this, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then um, obviously trying to figure out why the patient's in seizures, if they don't know radiology, um, trying to do further management, or if you already know because it was from a cardiac arrest, then um, then you don't, you could just say cytohepatoclitical secondary to cardiac arrest um, from possible cerebral hypoxemia. So, so you got to kind of think about really the problem and that's how I would talk about it. So same idea with cardiac, right? So cardiac is really, are they impressors? So you could say cardiac, you could say, um, what kind of issues are they in shock? Um, are they impressors? Uh, what are we doing? Um, are we continuing? So a lot of the discussion that for ICU is how do we get them out of the ICU? And the only way to get them out is to be off pressors, to be often, to not be intubated, um, and to make sure that obviously their respiratory status is well enough for them to be able to tolerate at least high flow nasal cannula or, or just regular nasal cannula. So the other question with the respiratory uh, problem is to ask, are the patients winnable to be spontaneous, to have a spontaneous breathing trial? They should, at least a rear respiratory therapist should test them every day. And the parameters is based, based on your institution but typically, based on my experience at my institution, is you want to be off pressers. You want to make sure that their their reasons for coming into ICU, the ICU has resolved or is resolving, and you want to make sure that they're, they're uh, off pressers. Like I said, PEEP of five, um, and FIL two of less than forty. If they're on that, they could be have a spontaneous breathing trial. And there's different modalities for spontaneous breathing trials. You could do CPAP or you could do a T-piece trial. Um, CPAP is basically just continuous pressure ventilation. It's a non-invasive ventilation um, that you could give any patient. And we're trying to just see if they could breathe on their own or for the minimal vents, with minimal pressure support. Um, and then um, that's kind of the most, the gist of presentations. Obviously, there's more little tidbits depending on the patients, but I think if you have this system down, uh, you'll build, obviously, this is very bare bones, but you'll build more on it as you continue your training during residency. But I think I wanted to kind of give you those thoughts about how I think of presenting. And I want you to start thinking. I, I think the most important thing as a clinician is to think and ask why, 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 why is this patient here? What's going on? Is the patient getting better? Uh, are we just lucky? Like, do we have... Make sure you could explain everything that's going on. And you can't go back to the drawing board and have and go back to the books and explain things to yourself. The ICU patients are very complicated. They have many multiple comorbidities. So the more knowledge you have, the better you can take care of these patients. So with that being said, I'd like to thank you again for listening to podcast number six, um, presenting patients in the ICU. It's been my, my complete pleasure being able to do these episodes for you guys. Um, and I hope you continue watching and listening um, to these episodes. On the next episode, I'll be discussing more of different ICU topics. Um, so we'll see where, where I go with the next episode. But for now, um, I think I'll do an admission, how to do admissions. But I want to know your thoughts. What do you want me to do for the next episode? If you have any thoughts, please um, follow me on Instagram, EvidArias.md, for uh, feedback. And I'd love to hear from you guys. So thank you again and have a great day. Please stay safe. Take care.